This is a Discovery Church podcast. Every heart found in Jesus' story. Wherever you are in your journey of faith, we pray that this message brings you deep encouragement. If you would like to get involved in the life of our church, head over to discoverychurch.com.au or check out our social media or YouTube channel. Looking at um, Luke chapter 24 today. So, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke 24. If you've got um, if you've got uh, an app or something, you can do that. It will the uh, the scripture will also be up on the screen. The title of the message today is this: Welcome to God's New World. Welcome to God's New World. Um, we are a week out. We're a week away from Easter. Obviously, last weekend, Good Friday and Easter Sunday, we celebrated both the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And what we're left with at the end of that experience is the question that we all ask after any experience, which is, now what? What does it all mean and where do we go from here? So I want you to see this and experience this message today as inclusive in and part of the Easter story. Because what happens after the death and resurrection of Jesus is we all just don't kind of go about our lives, move on and keep going and forget that it ever happened. We have to now then figure out what does it mean? How do we live it out? What, does it make, what difference does it make in my life today and then in my life tomorrow? Um, have you ever been felt, felt like you've been caught in the middle of two worlds? That experience of feeling like kind of caught or trapped, moving between one world or another. The first thing that I experienced of that was when we studied Romeo and Juliet at school. I thought, man, Romeo and Juliet, like, that's a conundrum, right? Like they're both from different families and, you know, and they don't like each other, but they love each other and they're, they're kind of, they're trapped. There's a, there's a conundrum there. You know, and then we, I went on and I saw the, the, um, the cinematic masterpiece, four-hour-long epic, Dances with Wolves. Did anyone ever see that film with Kevin Costner, the great Kevin Costner? And um, he was trapped between two worlds. You know, this civil war kind of war hero that then wants to become an Indian, you know, wants to become a, a, a what kind of assimilate into a um, Indigenous American Indian kind of um, way of life and all the trouble and trapping that came along with that process. You're getting caught between two worlds. You know, you might be thinking about a scenario or a story like that for you. Um, I spent a little bit of time as a police chaplain in, um, and in, it was in King's Cross in New South Wales, in the middle of Sydney, actually. And so they gave you a uniform and I even got a badge. No, I did not get a gun. I got a uniform and I got a badge. And the idea was that I was I looked close enough to be a police officer to gain trust, but I was also different enough from a police officer to be able to be objective. And I was felt like this, this whole time, I'm trapped between these two worlds of being a civilian and then being somebody in uniform. I don't know if you've got an experience like that. Start to think about those things in your own life because what happens on the flowing out of Easter Sunday, of the Easter weekend, is very much like that experience. We're going to read the passage of Scripture, then we're going to make some comments about it, we're going to break it down, and then see what we can do differently um, once we get to the end. So here we go, we're in Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 13. That very day, the two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, They were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. 
While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Their eyes were kept from recognising him and he said to them, what's this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? They stood still, looking sad. And one of, them, one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, is Jesus being cheeky? What things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before all of God and all of the people, how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and they crucified him. But we'd hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And yes, besides all this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some of our women in our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early this morning and when they did not find his body, they came back saying they'd even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, uh, women had said, but, um, but him they did not see. And he said to them, oh foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer all these things and enter into His glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, He interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if He was going on farther, but they urged Him strongly saying, Stay with us, for it's toward evening and the day is now far spent. So He went in to stay with them. When He was at the table with them, He took the bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognised him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us the Scriptures? And they rose that very same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11 who were, and those who were there with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and he's appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Ha <laughs> ha, what a story. How good's that? I love this story. I absolutely love it. It begins on that very day. So we're still on Easter Sunday in this story. Jesus has been raised from the dead. There's a commotion around the tomb because no one can find Him. There's a few angels there. The women are commissioned with the great message, the news to be able to let the rest of the disciples know that Jesus is alive. And then we have this unique and interesting story with this couple who are walking from Jerusalem down to a town called Emmaus, seven miles, so 10, 11, 12 kilometres, something like that. Now, what we've got here is it's happening on that very same day. So it's a new day. It's a new day with new possibilities. This is the beginning of something new. It's as though God has started His creation story all over again. When Luke uses those words at the beginning, that very day, this is exactly what he's meaning. The, the resurrection of Jesus is as though God is pressing reset on all of creation. It's starting again. There is new life to be found. It is as though all of sin has been pushed away and now we're living inside the context of a brand new reality. A new day is here and this is where the story begins. We have this couple walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Um, church tradition says that they're actually a married couple. We know the man's name's Cleopas and, we're, and the, the tradition says that it was actually he and his wife 
They were walking down the road. They were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. So we have a new day, but we also have an old way. An old way, why? This is the day of the resurrection. And yet these two are walking away from Jerusalem. They're walking away from the place that Jesus had been raised from the dead. They're walking away, perhaps, from the scene of the crucifixion. They're walking away from the people of God. And in a way, they're coming back to reality. Do you find that's a strange phrase? It's the phrase that we use when we come back from holidays. You know, it's the, it's, the, it's the phrase over the water cooler, right? Oh, how was your trip? Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Back to reality. You know, you know that. You know, I'm just, I'm back into my life. You know, the dream's over. It's back now and I'm back to the grind, back into it. That's the sense here from these two. Coming back from Jerusalem, back to reality. You know, we, we experienced something pretty powerful over the Passover weekend in Jerusalem, but now it's back to reality. It's back to the same old life, doing the same old things. Walking away from the crucifixion, why? Because we don't have a place. We don't have a place in our mind for the crucifixion. We don't have a place to be able to put that. We don't have a place now for the people of God because they're all confused and everyone got scattered after Jesus was crucified. And now it's just time to just go back to what we were doing before. Back to reality. And it's curious because Jesus, the, the wording in the Greek here is as though Jesus just kind of, kind of sidles up to them as they're walking without, him, without them noticing that He was there. And that's creepy when, that's, when someone does that to you, right? When you're walking along the street and then all of a sudden there's someone there that they weren't there before. They didn't magically appear, but they just kind of, and you're like, what are you doing here? And Jesus asks them, what are you guys talking about? And they stop. I love this detail in Luke. They stop. They stop walking and they turn to him looking sad. And they say to him, are you the only stranger in all of Jerusalem that doesn't know? That's ironic because Jesus is actually the only one who does know. (laughs) This word they use, stranger, is as though it's an alien, someone coming in from the outside. They use a word to describe Jesus as someone who must have been a blow-in, who's come into to Jerusalem because of the Passover, who's not really from here. He doesn't really know about anything that's going on around here. And they say, oh, you must be the only one though. I mean, even all the, the strangers who've come in, they've heard about what's going on, but you must be the only one in this entire town who doesn't know what's going on. And Jesus is the only one who does know what's going on. And Jesus says, what things? He plays along and says, tell me, tell me what do you know? It's the classic thing when, you're, when your child asks you a really tricky question that you don't know how to answer it. And so you ask them, well, what do you think? You know, it's a bit, it's a bit kind of the same kind of way as that. Yeah, he goes, well, what do you guys think? And they say, well, our hopes are dashed. We had hoped is the phrase they use. We had hoped that he was gonna be the one to redeem Israel. We were all in a frenzy. We'd whipped up. We thought that He was going to be the one. 
This time, there's been so many different messiahs. There's been so many different opportunities. There's been so many people who've come along and said, I'm Israel's Messiah and I'm here to put the world right again. I'm here to change everything. I'm here to come and overthrow the Romans. And we had hoped that He was going to be the one to redeem Israel. You and I both know what that's like to carry that sacred, holy and dark space of dashed hopes. I wonder what that would be for you. I had hoped. Fill in the blank. And Jesus says to you, well, what did you hope? And they explain to Jesus all the things that they'd hoped for, all the things that they'd dreamed about, all the things that perhaps that they'd thought that God was going to come to pass that now in reality is broken. We had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. Jesus says to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now this translation I think is a little bit mean. Um, He's not berating them. It's more as though there's something veiled over their eyes that they don't see yet. Slow to perceive, you know, slow on the uptake would be a better way of being able to to try and capture what Jesus is saying to them here. He's not calling them fools as though, you know, like they're completely stupid. He's just saying they're a bit slow to pick up what's going on. And it's incredible because if there's any sermon on planet Earth that was ever preached that I would love to be there for, I would love to be there for this. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. Yes, please. I would like the podcast of that. So in, in, in Jewish speak, that is Genesis to Chronicles. The, 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 the Jewish Bible went from Genesis to Chronicles and the prophets were dotted in throughout, like kind of spaced in all of that. So it's not the same way that we have it in our Bible. But Jesus explains to them from Genesis all the way through to Chronicles, all the things concerning Himself. <laughs> and yet they still don't see Him. They still don't know it's Him. But they must be thinking, man, this guy's pretty sharp. He knows a lot for a foreigner who doesn't know anything that's going on around here. This guy knows some stuff, right? Wow. But here's the thing. Jesus says, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory? And here's the point. In the world that we're living in now, where the resurrection is a reality. We've seen and we're reading about the risen Jesus. This is Jesus after the resurrection, freshly out of the tomb with the grave clothes changed and into something fresh. Now walking down the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus with two disheartened disciples, He is resurrected, He's alive. The resurrection door is now open to us, friends. The resurrection door is alive and open to us. Resurrection is now a reality for those who have their faith and their trust and their hope in Jesus. It is now open to you and I. Death is no longer the end. Life is now the end. And, and death is still amongst us. 
we're very literally caught between two worlds. So what do we do? The thing that the disciples couldn't understand was that suffering still has a part to play in God's story. Was that pain, sorrow, suffering, dashed hopes, dashed dreams, crucifixion still has a part to play in God's story. That's the part that they couldn't understand, that they couldn't perceive, that they didn't wanna see. We thought that He was the one, but now He's been crucified, it must be over. Uh Uh-uh. The way that God works in your life and in mine is to redeem our suffering, not protect us from it, right? The way that God works through your story and through my story is He comes in and helps us inhabit those places of pain, inhabit those dark places to make them bright again, rather than shield us from them. This is what the disciples from going down to Emmaus, they didn't see that. They thought the crucifixion was the end of it. Oh, there was suffering involved, so therefore there was death involved, so therefore it mustn't have been God. No, in fact, it is God because pain and suffering was involved and He's going to redeem it. So whatever those dreams are, those dashed hopes that you're holding, I wanna encourage you, sometimes you've just gotta let it die to allow God to redeem something and breathe new life on something again. You've got to be able to inhabit those places. I mean, all of our vices, all of our addictions, aren't they just trying to shield us and anaesthetise us from pain because we don't have a place to put it? And yet Jesus here in His beautiful, anonymous way shows these disciples exactly how He was going to be present in every single one of those painful moments throughout all of Scripture. So they drew near to the village to which they were going and he acted as if he was going on further. Again, is he lying? Is he being facetious? Is he being tricky? Oh, I'm gonna keep on going this way, guys. Oh, no, 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 It's, it's too late. You should come in and stay with us. So it's the same day, Resurrection Sunday, but in the evening, and they're having the evening meal. It's a Passover weekend, so the bread is most likely unleavened bread, hardened bread without yeast. And as he snaps the bread and breaks it, he's revealed to them. In that moment that he snaps that bread and breaks it, their eyes are opened and they see Him. But only for a second, (laughs) not for long. And we'll see Jesus do this a few more times in the resurrection story. He disappears from their sight. (laughs) He blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and their eyes were opened and they recognised Him. Now, hold on a second. If we're beginning again, And we're in the Genesis story and we're reminded of that. When was the last time? What about the first meal that ever got eaten in the Bible? Well, the woman took the fruit, ate some of it, gave it to her husband and he ate some of it and their eyes were opened and they saw that they were naked. And in this moment, they took the bread and they broke it. And in that moment, they saw Jesus. They saw Him. They didn't see themselves. 
they saw him. And I think for us, that gives me great hope that our meal, that this table that's set before us can be a table for us to, yes, recognise the presence of the sin and the pain that's in our world, but also to recognise the presence of Jesus amongst us right now. To recognise the presence of Jesus in our midst. And so in just a couple of minutes' time, this is what we're going to do. We're going to share around the meal together. We're going to position ourselves on Sunday evening and we're going to celebrate this Passover meal, the bread and the cup. We're going to break the bread together. And you know, my prayer, my belief is that as we break the bread, that Jesus is going to be revealed to you in a new way. That your eyes are going to be opened in some new way to be able to see Him. That as we break the bread and as we drink the cup, we're going to receive the Word of Jesus in a new way to us. As though He was walking alongside of us and explaining the Scriptures to us. Verse 32, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while He talked to us on the road, while He opened to us the Scriptures? Did not our hearts burn within us? You know, that's my heart for us, that every time we open the Scriptures, that our hearts would begin to burn within us as though Jesus is there right in our midst, opening to us His Word, the very Word of God that became flesh. So why don't we stand together, church? I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And then we're going to, we're gonna receive the bread and the cup together. And it's gonna be, it's, it's, uh, Communion Sunday, it's Participation Sunday. We're going to come forward out of our um, out of our seats to one of the four stations along the front here, and it's going to be easiest. Oh, four, five, six um, stations. Um, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Is that there's eight total? Yeah, seven. <laughs> okay, there we go. Close. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and the best way to do that is if you all go to your right, if, you, if it's possible for you to shuffle out, particularly if you're up in the race sitting, if you move towards your right, that way everyone can go down towards the right together. Of course, that is if you don't have an aisle on your right. But Father, we wanna thank You for this meal. We wanna thank You for this day. We wanna thank You for the promise of resurrection, even amongst these bones. We want to thank You that You are working to integrate those places of suffering and pain, dashed hopes in our own life, that we would see them resurrected, see them in a new way. Jesus, while You've been veiled from us in different ways, I pray today that through the breaking of bread that our eyes would be opened, not to see our shame and our nakedness, but 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 to see You, Jesus, to see You. 
This is God's new world where resurrection is happening all around us, new life is happening all around us. Joy is springing out in the midst of deep, deep darkness. The people in the valley have seen a great light. And among them, a new light has shined. And so, Father, we thank You for this meal, a meal that You've given us for us to be able to remember and to celebrate, a meal for those who have placed their trust and their hope in Jesus Christ, a meal for those who have said, I want to join my life with Him. You've given us bread, which represents Your body, which is to be broken, for us. You indeed, Jesus, are the Passover lamb. And you've given us the cup, the fruit of the vine, which represents your blood, which was spilt for the forgiveness of our sins, for the wiping away and the cancelling of our debt. That we would stand clean, whole and holy before You. So as we share this meal together today, Jesus, we come reflectively, but not somberly, knowing that You've won a great victory by paying a great price. We come before You today and we confess our sins the places where in our own lives we've missed the mark. We confess where there needs to become, where there needs to be reconciliation, where there needs to be work, where there needs to be a joining of hands rather than a separating of them. We come before You not with hopes dashed, but with hope restored. with a desire fulfilled that is a tree of life. In Jesus' Name we pray, Amen. Amen. All right, church, I'd invite you to come forward to one of the stations that's around you. Come and receive the bread and the cup and then take it back to your seats. And the team are just gonna hold this space for us for the next few minutes.
Once you receive the bread and the cup, you can eat and drink in your own time. You can sit or stand. In a minute, we'll be standing again to sing. But for these next couple of minutes, just take the time to reflect. Think about Jesus and allow Him to speak to you. these last two verses from the passage in Luke 24. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. So they didn't even stay the night. They made it back and they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed. And He's appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road and how He was known to them in the breaking of bread, friends. We have a story to tell. What's happened to you on the road? How's He been made known to you in the breaking of bread? There's something for us to put into the world. 
something for us to put into the spaces and the places around us. So I'd love each one of us to be able to stand. Those of you who are joining online, I'd love you to stand as well. As I pray, then the team's gonna lead us in this song. Father, we thank You for the story that we have to tell. We thank You for our witness, for our testimony, for the, for the, the things that You're doing, that You've done and that You're continuing to do in us. Lord God, would we be made bold to tell that story of what has happened to us on the road and how You've been made known to us through the breaking of bread today. Jesus, we wanna thank You for all that You've done, for all that You're doing, for what's happening, Lord God, with us as a community as we go on this journey with You on the road and how You are being made known to us and to our region through the breaking of bread. So we pray, receive this worship right now as we sing. Let's lift it up, guys. Shout Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Discovery Church podcast. It is our mission that every heart is found in Jesus' story. If you were moved by this episode, please take 30 seconds to share it on your social media. It only takes a couple of seconds to create life-changing impact.